0: Liamond and welcome to the Spoondrift Podcast. The word Spoondrift describes the spray of water that a strong gust of wind can blow from the top of a wave. Here on the Spoondrift, I talk about the Spoondrift from the Ocean of Ideas. There are really no bounds to what might be talked about. The goal is to just unearth new perspectives and inspire curiosity. In this week's episode, I talk all about pins, and by pins I mean the writing instrument. I'll go through the mechanics of fountain pens and ballpoint pens before talking a bit about my personal take on the pen versus pencil debate. Let's get right into it. The other day I was trying to write with my fountain pen, and it wasn't working. To back up a bit, I, I bought a fountain pen a couple of years ago because, um, well, I don't really know. I'd I'd always thought the idea of one was pretty neat, and I I bought it from a really small and interesting writing store that had all sorts of notebooks, pens, and books, and they had the pens there, and I thought, okay, maybe it's time I actually get one now. So, I did. The pen, it's made by a pretty well-established German pen manufacturer, so it, it has a large company to back up its reliability. So I figured it might as well. It, it would be it would be worth the money because it wasn't exactly cheap. Um, and, I, and I figured it would last me. I also bought some backup ink cartridges. The pen itself came with a blue ink cartridge and I bought a little box of black ones. I was kind of excited about the prospect of having to actually change the ink. I know it sounds kind of weird but I'm, I'm used to just ballpoint pens and when you finish a ballpoint pen you it's it's kind of done, you don't do much more with it, but this this pen no, 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 you can replace the ink, and that was so novel to me, so I was kinda excited about that and I remember asking the lady who rung me up how long it would take before I actually got to replace the ink and and I remember her saying that it it depended on how much you used it, and I know that was a hundred percent accurate in in its factuality, but it still left me feeling a bit dissatisfied because I was, I was kind of looking forward to the idea of having to change the ink cartridge. <laughs> when I got home, I wasn't really sure about the blue, but I was just kind of looking to start using the pen. So I just popped the cartridge in, screwed on the barrel, and started writing. Over the next year, I wrote with it quite a bit, mostly in my journal, but it wasn't very often. Maybe a year ago, about, um after pretty long period of time. When I did not use the pen at all, I remember finding that the ink it no longer came out of it. Not really wanting to mess with the whole ink changing thing, and I was looking forward to it before, but at that point I just noticed it wasn't working. I was busy or doing something or other, and I just, I put the pen away and started with another one. Probably my trusty felt-tipped pen. Eventually though, there, there did come a time when I just I wanted to figure out what, what the deal was with the pen. I, I didn't figure that I'd used all the ink because I hadn't written that much with it. I was kind of concerned that maybe the pen had failed. I was hoping not, obviously, but yeah, I, I had to consider the possibility. So I, I visited the manufacturer's website for a video on how to clean the pen and maintain it. I eventually found that dipping it down into some water might help. So I could soak the water up and start drawing the ink down. So that's what I did. I got the pen, filled my sink up with some water, and dipped the tip down in. And a tendril of blue ink did seep out from the end of the pen. Man, if 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 you haven't ever seen ink flow through water, it's really quite fascinating, even mesmerizing. It's just like seeing smoke, but slowed down in the water. It's really fun to watch. So I I did see the ink come out of the end of the pen, and that was. That felt pretty good. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm fixing this. I, I dried the pen, went back to my notebook to try it out, and it worked for a little bit. But then the ink went out again. Um, I was I, I was happy that I hadn't ruined the pen. I had figured out that the ink was still working. It wasn't like the pen was no good anymore. But it, it turned out that this this water technique wasn't exactly working. Then I looked a bit more on the manufacturer's website for information, but found that independent YouTube videos were a bit more helpful. I first tried dipping the end in the water as I did before and found similar results. The pen would write for a bit and then the ink would stop flowing out and just kind of dwindle out. The the ink would be it it was kind of diluted and then as you kept writing it would get more and more diluted and you, you could tell that the water trick just wasn't working. Next I tried cleaning the nib and the nib is that metal end of the pen that actually runs along the paper. Well, my nib did have ink on it that could have been a problem, as some YouTube videos suggested. Cleaning it, it didn't really improve the performance. Kind of the same thing that happened before I'd clean it, put it back on, start writing, and then the ink would fade away. And so I, I, I figured I'd pretty much exhausted all of my options there, and finally I just decided, okay, <laughs> Maybe it's time to replace the ink cartridge. But, and then I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) That means it's time to replace the ink cartridge. That got a little bit exciting. So I unscrewed all the parts of the pen and popped out the ink cartridge, the blue one, and then cleaned out the parts by running water through them. And I tried to do so until the blue ink, until no blue ink could be seen. And that was a sign that I'd flushed out all the blue ink from the pen. But that wasn't really happening because there's always still just a little bit more. And I I didn't really want to keep sitting there for like an hour running water through the parts of the pen. So I just said, okay, I'm just going to put in the new ink cartridge. So I pulled out my little box of ink cartridges, removed a long black cartridge from it, and popped that in the pen. I was like, okay, I'm going to risk it. Maybe there's a little bit of mixing, but blue, it'd probably just kind of mix in with the black. You probably wouldn't even notice it. And that's what I did put the cartridge in, screwed it all together and tried it out and (laughs) it worked. So now I have a fountain pen that writes and black ink instead of blue. All that work with the fountain pen, all the research and how to clean it, all the problems that I was encountering, it all got me wondering how exactly does a fountain pen work? I was moving all these parts around and wondering how the ink wouldn't just kind of leak out the end of the pen, because that's what happened when it was under water. put water under it, you see the blue ink, as I was trying to fix it, it would seep down into the water. But when it was out in the air, it didn't leak. So I'm like, okay, why is this? So now, let's find out how it is that a fountain pen actually works. First, let's dig into the parts of a fountain pen. When you first look at a fountain pen, you probably see two parts, the cap and the barrel. The cap is the covering part that snaps on over the writing part of the pen. While they do exist, I'm not talking about retractable fountain pens, which would be kind of like a like a ballpoint pen that you click, and then the end of it pops out, and you can write, and then you click it again, and it recedes back into the pen, and you don't have to worry about getting ink on anything or accidentally writing on stuff. That does happen. There are fountain pens that retract. But that's not the kind I'm talking about. I'm just talking about a pen that you put a cap on. (laughs) The barrel, then, is the tube that goes over the insides of the pen. That's the part of the pen that kind of rests against your hand when you write. Now, we shall uncap the pen. The next part of interest is the piece of metal that you actually run along the surface of the paper. That piece of metal is called the nib, N-I-B. And if you were to try to describe the shape of it, I... I would kind of say it looks like the hand of a queen waving to a crowd of people with all their fingers smushed together and the palms slightly cupped. It's kind of what a, it's kind of what a fountain pen nib looks like. Along the back of the nib, or the back of your hand in, in my analogy, there's a long groove that runs along the center of it, from the tip of the nib to about the center. This would be like the space between your middle and ring fingers. And then, when the groove ends, there's a little circle. The circle and groove are what allow ink to flow down the nib and for air to flow into the pin. Next, we have the piece, usually plastic, that sits right up against the nib. It's called the feed. It is the part through which ink moves from the ink cartridge down to the nib. An important part of the feed is a series of fins that can can be seen further up on the feed. It's, It's a bit away from the nib, and the fins are called the collector and keep too much ink from flowing through. Finally, we have the ink reservoir. It is located in the middle of the pen and hidden by the barrel. The reservoir is where the ink is stored. Now, in the case of my pen, the reservoir is an ink cartridge. Now, that's a a one-time-use plastic tube that has the ink stored in it. Now, if you've ever taken apart a ballpoint pen, you probably are familiar with the the looks of the ink reservoir it's usually just this clear tube that runs the length of the inside of the pen and you can usually see the black or blue ink up to a certain point and then it stops and then it's all clear from that point up so that's the the ink reservoir for a ballpoint pen and kind of the same thing for a fountain pen although it's usually a bit wider and my my type that i described that's a one-time use thing you put it in you run out of ink pull it out throw it away put in a new one However, there is another option, and that's called a converter for fountain pens. A converter is basically a reusable ink cartridge. You dip it down into a bottle of ink and suck ink up into the converter by moving a piston up. The converter then sits down in the pen, and if you want to change the ink color, you just pull out the converter, dump the the ink that's still in the converter out into the bottle, and fill it up with another color. Pretty neat and pretty useful if you do change ink colors a lot. You can clean that out, change it, and not have to worry about throwing away a bunch of cartridges. And Also, this would allow for longer time between having to purchase new ink because the ink comes in like a small glass jar that you can get different colors like black, blue, green, you name it. Your ink color, you can get it in a jar and then you can store it and then use a converter, pull out your little jar, fill up the ink color you want put it in your pen so it's it's a bit it's a bit more um easy to use and easy to change up your variety of ink color so it's pretty neat now that we have all the parts out of the way let's talk about operation the key to making a fountain pen is controlling the exchange of ink and air in the ink reservoir i found an article on explain that stuff.com that uses a really great analogy to help understand the ink air interaction which is key to making a fountain pen work. Imagine filling a bottle of water up and then turning it upside down. What would you expect to happen? Picture that in your mind. Take a, an old bottle of water, un- stick it under the faucet, fill it full with water, and then flip it upside down. What's gonna happen? Well, the water's gonna fall out, right? <laughs> you are probably also imagining how there won't be a steady flow of water. Water will kind of just glob out of the bottle, and it'll, there will be a pause, and then a big bubble will be let in. And that bubble will form in the bottle, which then quickly floats up to the top of the inverted bottle. And the water then will continue to flow. And then that pattern will kind of happen. The water will flow in an uneven but steady pattern of water, bubble, water, bubble. And you get that glub, 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 glub. And that's the same thing that happens in a fountain pen, but a bit more controlled. In the feed, that part earlier that I talked about, that's right next to the nib, the metal nib on the end of the pen, it has tiny parallel channels that run through it. For example, a pen might have three small channels meant for ink to flow down them, and one bigger one to allow air to flow up. Now, two things help the ink to flow. One is gravity, of course. You've got the the ink in the reservoir. And the weight of the ink is what makes it want to move downward in the pen down toward the tip where you're going to write. And then the second thing that allows for this exchange to happen is capillary action. That is when the ink, just like any other liquid, naturally tends to want to move on its own through a narrow channel. So ink, it flows down the reservoir and air flows up into it. Funny thing here, capillary action, you you may sometimes come across the term like a capillary tube or capillaries, like there are biological capillaries like in your lungs that help the breathing process happen. But capillary tubes are just really, really, really small tubes that a fluid can flow through. And when, they, when, when such small tubes are ever used in a part or in some sort of organism, the idea is just to help fluid move through them easier because that small diameter tube, it allows the fluid to kind of move on its own. All right, so now we have a little bit of an understanding of this air ink interaction here. Now you might be asking why the ink doesn't just constantly flow out from the end of the pen. Now that's because the holes for ink are so small. Now if you were to make the hole on the water bottle from before really small, like you cap the bottle and then just like put a pin brick in the cap of the water bottle, you would be able to tip the bottle over and no water would pour out. The atmospheric pressure would be enough to stop the water from moving through the hole. And also, that hole is small enough that the water wouldn't be able to leave and allow the air to also come in at the same time. So when it was big, when the hole was big, air could move up and cause those bubbles Water could flow out, and so you had the, the glob, glob, glob interaction. But if the hole's really small, there's not enough space for air to move in and water to move out. So it just doesn't happen. With a pen, it takes a person to press the nib against the paper and drag it along to get the ink flowing. As the nib moves and the ink is drawn from the pen down onto the paper, the ink actually helps pull itself out of the pen. And that's because the ink wants to stick together. So as some of it leaves the pen, the air ink exchange is initiated when the writing stops and there's no more ink kind of pulling itself out of the pen down onto the paper. There's not enough area for the ink to continue to flow through on its own, so the pen doesn't leak. The, the ink stays in the pen, and you don't have to worry about the ink just flowing out and going everywhere. So that's kind of the gist of how a fountain pen works which is it's kind of fascinating. It's been around for a long time. It's one of the earlier forms of a pen, a fountain pen. Okay, so what about ballpoint pens? While well, fountain pens, they were once the go-to writing instrument. It is ballpoint pens that are ubiquitous now. Why is that? Well, as reported by HowStuffWorks.com, A couple of downsides to fountain pens are that, one, the ink can flow unevenly. There are a lot of parts that the ink has to go through, Two, The ink doesn't dry very quickly, and that's because in a fountain pen, the ink has to be exposed to air, because we talked a lot about the exchange between air and ink from the ink reservoir, so the, the, the ink has to be able to be exposed to air. And if that is going to be a reality of a fountain pen, the ink has to not dry really quick immediately upon exposure to air. So not having the ink able to dry very quickly means that the ink out of a fountain pen is still kind of wet and can be smudged. Third reason is that since the ink in the pen is exposed to air, that does open up the possibility that the ink could get clogged inside the pen itself because if the ink is exposed to air for a long period of time maybe the pen isn't used that can potentially lead to some of the ink drying up so there there are a couple of downsides to the fountain pen ballpoint pens though are special in that they do not involve exposing ink to air while it's still in the pen now the way that they work is through the use of a ball and socket structure in the pen's tip you might have Notice this if you've ever taken apart a ballpoint pen before. I know I certainly have. The tip of the pen has a tiny ball that sits real comfortably in a little nest. That is the, the pen's tip. And the tip of the pen, it it has that ball sitting there. Half of the ball is exposed to the air, and then the other half of the ball is hidden up inside the tip of the pen. To help you kind of picture this, here's a quick analogy. Imagine taking a pipe and then place a marble That is like the same diameter as the pipe. Place that marble right at the end of the pipe. So that way it touches all the way around the edge of the pipe. A ballpoint pen is kind of built like that. The end of the pen through which the ink must flow is blocked by a tiny, itty-bitty metal ball. And that ball blocks the exit for the ink. The ink isn't able to flow unless that ball spins. Returning to the analogy, if we were to hold the marble in place at the end of the pipe, and then fill the pipe with some fluid. The fluid would not be able to come out of the tube because the ball would be blocking the only exit. If we would spin the marble, though, that spinning motion would allow some of the fluid to be drawn around the marble, along the pipe tube, and out the other side. And the building of a ballpoint pen is pretty much like that. The ink being drawn across the balls as it spins is what pulls the air out. There's no replacement of air whenever ink flows out. That air-ink interaction that we discussed is essential to the workings of a fountain pen. Is It's not necessary in a ballpoint pen. The ink flows out when the ball is spun. So you, you press the tip of the pen along a piece of paper. Whenever you draw the pen along the paper, the, the ball spins and ink is pulled around the ball to the outside of the pen, and it slides right along the paper. So when you move a ballpoint pen, you're actually spinning a ball that's pulling ink out of the pen, which is kind of neat, and it's why they call them ballpoint pens. Without that air coming into contact with the ink inside the pen, the ink used in the pen can now be really quick-drying. It doesn't have to tolerate a lot of exposure to air. It can be quick-drying, so immediately when it's exposed to air, it dries. You don't have to worry about wet ink on paper. That's why smudging is not too much of a problem with ballpoint pens also the ink flow is quite steady and reliable so there there you have it that's that's how a ballpoint pen works talked a lot about different types of pens we got fountain pens we got ballpoint pens now i'd like to talk a bit about my usage of pens i've always had this very um conflicted relationship with pens in school i always was encouraged to use pencil because pencil would allow me to erase things i remember i guess it i might have been in third or fourth grade we were like encouraged to use pens that were that used erasable ink so the ink looked like pen ink but you could erase it i, I do distinctly remember finding that The usage of those things is kind of cool. But I've I've always been used to using pencil. And I've grown accustomed to the ability to write stuff and fix it, erase it, and not have to just mark it out. Because whenever I cross things out, it just looks very sloppy to me. (laughs) That reminds me, in sixth grade, we used to have to write a, uh, a story every week and turn it in on Friday. The teacher would give a prompt. We would have to write a story about it. And she would require a couple of rough drafts. Maybe it was just one, but she would require rough drafts and then a final draft in pen. And I remember having to write the final draft in pen. And every time that I messed up, which inevitably I did because the story was usually like a couple pages long, I would inevitably mess up when I was writing a word or writing a sentence for this final copy. And I would have to cross something out. I remember just being bugged by the look of my final copy in this ink, this bold ink. Like I was permanently impressing my words upon this page that I was going to share with the teacher and have to read in front of the class. But this this mark, just this blemish, just ruining the entire v- look of my final copy, it bugged me so much. I was just like, I don't like the inability to erase things. I like to be able to fix them generally in all of my experience with writing, uh, with doing math, especially doing math. Pencil has always reigned supreme in my mind because I can fix mistakes. That is not to say, however, that I don't ever use pens. I would say that pencils are probably my favorite. They have a bit of an edge over pens, but I, I do I do have an appreciation for pens. As you can tell, I invested in a fountain pen, and I've been using that a little bit. But also, there, there was another pen that I use. I, if I do use a pen, it's usually either the fountain pen or a felt-tipped pen. I don't really care for ballpoint pens, which is interesting. Now for a bit of my rationale behind that. I've mentioned that I like pencils. And pencils, whenever you write with them, they have a certain level of resistance. You can, you can feel the paper through the pencil. It's, it's kind of rough. It's, it's not a real smooth line as you write. When you write with a ballpoint pen, it's a much smoother feel. And that smoother feel is a bit foreign to me because I'm so used to writing a pencil. However, with a felt-tipped pen, the the feel of it, the feel of writing with it, is a bit more similar to that of a pencil, and I appreciate that. And that's why, if I do write with a pen, I probably would prefer felt-tipped pens. There's a, a special pen that I got a while back. It was a, it was a pen designed for like scrapbooking. So one end of it has a felt-tipped pen part, and the other end of it has a, a stick of glue. I don't use the glue stick so much, but I do use the pen part. And that pen part is very nice. It it has a, a very consistent flow of ink. It's 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 a thick enough thick enough line to, to satisfy my view of writing. And like I said, the feel the feel of the felt tip against the paper is more like that of a pencil which closer aligns to my preference ballpoint pens not really not really mad jam fountain pens pretty neat i'll write with those every once in a while but pencil is it it probably takes takes the uh takes the win with this one now for a music update this week i have one album on the list of things to come out that album is Declan McKenna's album, Zeros. That should be coming out on September 4th. My music picks this week are Wishing Well by New Politics. That's American Alternative. 53.29 by Childish Gambino, American R&B. There Must Be More Than Blood by Car Seat Headrest. And yes, that's that's their name. American Indie Rock. In the Mirror by YG. Korean Electronic and Chingiz Khan by Wu Korean Rap Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spoon Drift If you want to listen to the music that I talked about you can check out my Spotify profile The Spoon Drift Podcast and listen to The Spoon Drift Episode 12 Playlist For more episodes of The Spoon Drift you can visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts Spinnaker Radio's home on the web radio.unfspinnaker.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to keep up to date on everything to do with Spoondrift, you can follow me on Twitter at SpoondriftPod. That's at SpoondriftPod. Or on Instagram at SpoondriftPodcast. In conclusion of today's episode, I might say that the permanence of writing with a pen is a bit like life. Very profound, I know. While we may not want to look at our mistakes, the act of not being able to completely erase them could be a good thing. I will talk to you on the next episode.